As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landish, joined by my best friend in the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how's life? I'm looking at that wedding ring on your hand, and I still, it's like, it's crazy. Well, you got the rubber one? Yeah, it's like silicone, I think. Where'd you get that? Uh, I don't know, some website. It was like 20 bucks. How long did it take you to start feeling like that was, uh, like, no, not like you couldn't feel it on your hand anymore? Like, do you still, like, notice it? Uh, I do. It's it's kind of funny. Like I've, I think it was either yesterday or the day before. So we got married on Friday. So I've been wearing it since last Friday. You gonna tell everybody that you just had like a shotgun? Let's go do this wedding right now. Like yeah, we just went through the courthouse, got it done. Landis got married. Everyone, congratulations, buddy. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. That's really great. Um, so I've been wearing it since Friday, but yes, either yesterday or the day before, we're recording this on Wednesday. Like I didn't have it on for some reason, and it felt like something was missing on my hand. Oh God, it's not because. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's not because of the actual physical feeling. It's what that ring represents. That's right. That's right. The, the warmth and the feeling of absolute love that you have for your spouse. Yeah, which it wasn't just is that the, I was used to having what is a the silicone. First thing you two did when you got married. The took first thing photos. you did after you left the courthouse. We went around town, took a bunch of pictures. And then after that, like once all that shit, was I honestly came home and went to sleep. We were <laughs> we were exhausted. We slept for like three hours and then woke up and went to dinner. 
I'm getting married in May, and I'm like thinking to myself, like, damn, what's that going to be like once it's over? So we didn't have it was just the two of us at the courthouse. And then it was just the two of us taking pictures. Like there was no reception, nothing, no like saying hi to people, kissing babies, none of that stuff. And we were exhausted. So I cannot imagine like actually going through all of that. No, I, yeah, that's yeah. No, I'm I'm exhausted from planning this thing, and I'm not even doing eighty. I'm doing five percent of the work. Yeah, I also might have been exhausted because it was like fifteen degrees that day, and we were running around downtown Columbus, and I didn't have like proper attire on. I was just wearing my suit. You so, look great in that suit, bud. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So what's the point of dressing up if it's just you two? Because um, you want to look good in the pictures. That and, like, we had it. Like, I, we were supposed to get married in June of 2020 and they had to cancel two weddings. And that was, like, a, inviting people from out of town. We were going to have it at a brewery. Um, so, like, we had that beforehand. I don't know if I would have worn the same thing if I, didn't, if I hadn't already ordered that for what was supposed to be, like, a more traditional wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had it and I paid money for it and I couldn't take it back, really, because it was, like, tailored to fit my large body. Um so I just wore it because I had it, basically. Well, Godspeed to you, bud. I'm happy. A little hurt, to be honest, because, uh, you know, I always thought that one day we would just get a, a bro house somewhere and just order pizza and run the clock out together. But, you know, hey, I'm happy that you're happy. I uh, Listen, man, you know, I thought, these things could be absolved. I also thought that I would be the witness. Like, if you had to pick anybody in your entire life, that I would be the guy that witnesses this. Did you have to have a witness? Did you, like, get some homeless guy off the street like they did in Chuck and Larry? I don't know if we had to have a witness. There was a photographer there, so maybe they just made her the witness. Right. But so like the random photographer was the witness? Yeah. And, like, no offense, but it like probably would have been, like, my brother's <laughs> <laughs> or, or my dad. Um, uh, still offended. They, um, they, were, okay. they weren't there either. So Okay, um, well, happy for you, Bill. Uh, welcome to the other side. Not that I'm on the other side, but, you know. I hope yeah. it feels good. And did, did you like change your tax forms and stuff yet? Not yet, no. Insurance, like that's all the stuff. You got to get all the financial benefits immediately. Yeah, we haven't done any of that stuff yet. Yeah, I would um, do that. Right, I would want to stop the podcast to do that. We don't have. You need. There's like a the actual like legal document that says we're married. We actually don't have that yet. Oh. So we're waiting. We're waiting to get that. So I, I guess until I get that, I'm a free man. But not really. Yeah. Yeah. Not really. Not that, not, that I, not that I would do anything if yeah, I was so a free man. Being a free man to me means renting a hotel room and watching NBA in peace. That's right. Go, uh, but, go crush you know, a Domino's pizza by myself. Yeah, That's what yeah, that means. Cheesy, a block of cheesy bread by yourself. Watch a basketball game till your car loads and you know, go to bed for eight straight hours without being bothered by anybody. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, okay. So that was four and a half minutes of grab ass. I knew we had to start the episode uh-huh. talking about that. Like, what are we going to do? Ignore that? Um, and then next week when we do a and a or the next time we do a and a ask Landis all these ridiculous wedding questions that I might have forgotten to ask. We had a text conversation. I asked a bunch of questions there, but I, I want people to feel engaged in your life. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, if you think of any, we can answer them on the podcast because I think that's the proper forum to have that, those discussions. Um, <laughs> speaking of questions, we're going to do a mailbag episode this week because we were going to do one last week and then – Gene Smith had a press conference where he said some stuff, and we talked mostly about that. So we wanted to come back and answer a lot of the questions we didn't get to last week, some new ones that have come in hey, in Landis, the time Before since you then. ask the next question, can I say something, though? Absolutely. You know how we were kind of making fun about Gene Smith and Ohio State being soft last week? Uh-huh. Speaking of dumb things athletic directors say, did you hear that Arizona State's athletic director said they're not going to be much of a player in NIL and they're going to focus most on developing their players for talent in a press conference? I did not see that, but that's hilarious. Or developing their players for the nfl is going to be the selling point for arizona state now oh okay well we'll see about that 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> to the to the questions. <laughs> good, good luck with that. <laughs> good, good luck, luck with, with that. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the first question. Came in via the email from Ryland. The email is four to six. Uh, ab at gmail.com a little bit of a thinker we had to do some homework on this one the question is what's your Mount Rushmore of Ohio State quarterbacks skill positions and defense and then also what is your Mount Rushmore of fast food items and like this could probably be an entire podcast or a series of podcasts we're going to attempt to answer it in like I don't know six to eight minutes <laughs> so well first of all like tell them how you broke it down because the way that you broke it down is that it was just impossible people are going to get mad and like I don't even feel great about my list. Yeah, uh, so it's quarterback by itself. Skill positions, I just combine into the one thing. It's receivers and running backs. And then defense is all the defense. So it's really difficult. Um, well, in some respects. In others, all like, the defense. Yeah, it's like I, and the I best player are, in Ohio State history is not on the list anywhere. Who's that? Orlando Pace. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. Well, it's not – if you did an offensive lineman – Mount Rushmore, he'd certainly be on it. And if he did, I'm, I'm just pick four guys to represent Ohio State on Mount Rushmore, regardless of position. I think Orlando Pace would probably be on there too. But the question specifically from Ryland asked about quarterback skill position and defense, so that's what we're answering. Gotcha. Quarterbacks, what's your list? Braxton Miller. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Troy Smith. Mm-hmm. And so anybody over the age of 40 who's listening to this podcast, Rex Kern, they don't get angry. That is also my list. What would your list look like if you weren't worried about offending anyone over the age of 40? I don't know. Like, maybe that still would have been the list. Um, it would have been mine know. either way. I, I don't know. I, I mean, Terrell Pryor might have been on mine. Terrell Art Pryor. might have been on mine. Dwayne Haskins. Cornelius Green might have been. Um, Joe I Thomas honestly Barrett just like fourth. if their picture on Google is black and white, I didn't watch them play, so it's hard. Yeah. Like it, it's just it's like really hard. So what do you look at when you look at? Because I also factor in how the fan base feels about these people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You have to because like we're only of a certain age, so there's like a reverence involved with it. Yeah. Yes, yes. And Rex Kern of all the quarterbacks in Ohio State, like Craig Krenzel could have been on it. Mm-hmm. You know. And I watched him play every game the year they won the national championship. So, like, I like have a, a, a understanding of who he was and what he was. But I think it would be disrespectful to the history of the program to ignore Rex Kern. But I'm going to ignore, like, black and white photos in the next sets. Yeah, I mean, he's like the, the, the super softs in general, right, are like a defining group of people in the history of the program. And I, I don't think that Rex Kern is necessarily the face of that group of players, but he was a starting quarterback for that team, part of that group, and won a national championship. And he was good. It's not like, like Craig Krenzel won a national championship, but I don't think anyone's you know confusing Craig Krenzel with one of the... Call, did you say Craig Krenzel was asked, my dude? Is that what you just said? I did not say that. <laughs> he was kind I of asked, been. my dude, in comparison to... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. And it's in hard to compare eras, too. It's like, what would, like, if Rex Kern played now, like, what would he be? I don't know. Probably not a starting quarterback at Ohio State. Um, but it's hard. That makes it difficult, too. But I think, like... Like the, histo- the historical significance of that class, that team, um, and the fact that he was a good player, good and productive player, I think warrants a spot on the I list. I think it's I crazy that we have the same list and only one won a national title. Or I guess only one as a quarterback. Braxton Miller won one, but he was injured and didn't play quarterback. Yeah, but it's like you're not going to put Cardell Jones on there. Yeah. That was such a weird thing. It's like I think you could consider JT Barrett. I, I didn't really. Um, 
Well, it's like it also just depends on how you do the list. It's like, do mm-hmm. you do it based on best players? Like, I had a hard time, like, later on. It's like, which yeah. players do I think were the best? Like, There's a lot of criteria at play here. It's like... One player might have made my list that people won't think is the best, and I'm just like, that guy was awesome at the wide receiver running back. Uh, yeah. One. So we'll see. Okay, let's go, to, let's go to skill position then. Who were your four? Okay, why don't we just go one back and forth and see if... I'll name somebody, and then if they're on your list, then we'll cancel sure. them out. Okay. Archie Griffin. Yep. Obvious, right. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott made mine. He is not on mine. I, I struggled with him. He's not on mine. He had, like, the best postseason run of anybody in program history, and they won a national championship in the modern era. Like, I feel like it was impossible to keep him off. Totally. Even fair. though I don't think that he was probably, like, as good. Like, Eddie George is not on my list, and I bet Eddie George is a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott was. Eddie George is on my list. Like, the two names I put yeah. down immediately without thinking about anything were Archie Griffin and Eddie George. But, like, I did two receivers and two running backs because I just felt like, what am I going to do? Yeah. So, like, now you're going to, like, so are the other two of yours receivers too? No, I have a third running back. So you only have one receiver. Okay. Yes. Well, okay, so here's my list. Archie Griffin, Ezekiel Elliott, Ted Ginn Jr., and Terry Glenn. Interesting. And it's like, like Terry Glenn might be, like, the ninth best receiver in Ohio State history to some people. It was like one – I struggled with Terry Glenn because it was, like, one great season. Right, but he was insanely good. Yeah, no, yeah, it was like yeah. Blitnikoff winning great season. Like it was an yeah, awesome like, season. I mean, like he might not have had better seasons than other people. He might have been the best. Like and Ted Ginn Jr. was unlike anything I've ever seen, and, right. and any other team ever again. So like Ted Ginn Jr. was the first person I wrote down. Yeah, I think it's. I think I think they're both defensible for sure. Yeah, um, Minor Archie and Eddie Heisman Trophy winners, like all time great kind of players. Yeah. Um, I had Keith Byers, and like, I think you could make a really solid argument for Zeke over Keith Byers. I don't know. Like Keith Byers was like awesome. Um, Should have probably won the Heisman, um, and didn't. So like, like, now I feel like an asshole because I left a Heisman winner off my list for Terry Glenn. It's just like okay, if somebody wants to be like Ari, you're an asshole. Put Eddie George in over Terry Glenn. It's like how do I even argue against that? No, it's, there, I mean there at this position, there's probably. You can get close to ten guys. You can make a very solid argument for. Um, yeah. So I had Archie, Archie Griffin, Eddie I mean, George, Chris Keith, Carter. Chris Carter was my fourth. Okay. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. Uh, like I wanted to make sure I had a receiver. Um, you certainly could go four running backs here if you wanted to, but it's like once you decide, like I want to have a receiver. It's like Terry Glenn, of course. Chris Carter, of course. Like David Boston for a long time was the best statistical receiver Ohio State's ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Olave, like pass some of those records. I think he warrants consideration too. Yeah. Um, there's probably others that I'm forgetting. Joey Galloway. Joey Galloway, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Terry McLaurin? No, no, like Based he's, on versatility? I don't know. He's, gonna be a really, he's a really good pro, and I think we'll continue San to Antonio Holmes? That. Yep. Michael Jenkins? Michael Jenkins, yeah. Cots, Curtis Samuel? Very I good. Know. I don't, think we're, I don't good. think really worthy of this discussion, yeah. Somebody I almost put on the list to make a point but didn't, but Devin Smith? Mm-hmm. Again, Devin Smith, like, yeah. is just underrated, criminally underrated, and I think that, like, he doesn't belong on this list, but he belongs higher on people's memory bank. Yeah. Um, um, I'm surprised you didn't put Brian Hartland on your list just to suck up to him. Yeah, I think we, as a collective media entity, will do that enough already. He doesn't need more smoke blowing up his ass. Yeah. Um, so, all right, mine are Archie, Eddie, Keith Byers, and Chris Carter. What were you here for? You left Ben Victor off yours. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, I, yeah. My defense is just, like, straight like badasses like 
There are a lot of badass dudes to choose from. Badass dudes. Like Andy Katzenmoyer is on my list, and I don't give a shit what you think about that. Like that guy played linebacker the way that like Mother Nature intended. And like those pictures of him with the entire defense on his visor, and then he just goes blows up the backfield. That guy shot into the backfield and murdered people. Like that to me is Ohio State football. Yeah, and I think there's like a generational piece to that too. And I suppose like if you were an Ohio State fan who watched. Andy Katz and Moyer, there's a decent chance you also watch Chris Spielman, but like you and I wouldn't have watched Chris Spielman, but Andy Katz and Moyer was playing at a time where like you and I were watching and like able to appreciate how much of a badass he was. And it's like, I just like sometimes wonder too, because we were kids when he was playing. When somebody was a badass and we were kids, I wonder if that impacts how we view them now. Yeah, for sure. Like if, if Andy Katz and Moyer played last year and played the same exact way, like would we think he was the best linebacker in Ohio State history? I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a good like, conversation. Yeah. There's other linebackers. Like, there's so many linebackers. The game is so much different now, too. Like, A.J. Hawk is not on my list, and, like, that guy was insanely good. Yeah, he's not on my list either. And DeCatsomore uh, is not on my list. Chris Gamble's on my list. He is not on my list. Uh, And he played both sides of the ball, and I think part of that is, but, like, that guy was his talent. Like, I mean, he was, like, the original Malik Hooker, except they played him on both sides of the ball, and he carried a team to a national title. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Tatum. Mm-hmm. I think is like the illustration of what a defensive back should be at Ohio State, and then my fourth um, was Joey Bosa. So Chris Spielman's not on yours. No. Okay. Uh, but my- like, also that might be a generational thing, though, because like, was was Chris Spielman better than Andy Katzenmoyer? I think he probably was. Right? I don't know. But Andy Katzenmoyer to me is the epitome of what Ohio State football is. I think there are a lot of guys that you can fall in love with as Ohio State linebackers, and it's a, it's a little bit of a, like a quintessential position here. Um, I think Chris Spielman is probably tops on that list. At least he is for me. Um, so I, I have Spielman. I have Jack Tatum. I have Chase Young, just like maybe the most singularly dominant season a, a player has ever had here. Um, and I have Antoine Winfield as well. Um I think there's a lot of different directions you could go. Like Jack, Jack Tatum to me was the one that I like thinking about how guys who played back then could translate to playing now. Like Jack Tatum would be an absolute menace right now. Just like positional versatility, move them all over the place and just wreck another team shit. Like he, that's what he did. That's what he did back then. He would continue to do it now. Like, I think that's a guy who can, you can plug into any era of football and he would be as great as he was back when he played. It's like, I think Tom Co- uh, Kuzanow is like the, was regarded as the best linebacker in Ohio state history. Um, He's an all-time he tackle like, leader, I think. Yeah, yeah, like two consecutive 140 tackle seasons. Mm-hmm. Like Ryan Shazier had 143 tackles in 2013, too. Yep, I considered um, him. That, he was really, really good. So, and AJ Hawk. I mean, the thing Florida is, is that if you yeah. if you if you take what we did a total of 12 players out of the lore of Ohio State and try to like make a list out of it's like impossible. It's like yep. when we were done with this, when Bill told me to do this, I was just like, I'm not satisfied with the list that I created. Other, I don't think there's any yeah. way that you can do it and just be like, "This is the this is the list." Absolutely not. Yeah, especially when you're when you're combining all defense into, into one thing. Like guys, guys that I had considered that I didn't pick in my final four: James Laurinaitis, Malik Hooker, Mike Doss, Ryan Chazier, Joey Bosa, Sean Springs, Mike Rabel, and like there are a ton more that you could consider for this. Yes, and not um, be wrong. Like I don't think there's. Yeah, it's like, do you thought Chase Young was better than Joey Bosa though? Yes. Joey Bosa had like more than one year of being a fixture on the defense, and and I guess Chase did too. Chase had Chase had two seasons. His his sophomore season, I think, tends to get overlooked a little bit because of how good he was as a junior. But he was pretty good as a sophomore. Um, I think 
I think there's and a tiebreaker for. I think national championship has to be a tiebreaker. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But also, I'm a hypocrite because there's players on my list that didn't win them. I think so. if you did, yeah, and if you did like just defensive line, I think Chase Young, Joey Bosa, are there. Like probably in terms of like locks, all automatics have to have them. I think those are two of them. But when you expand it out to the whole defense, I pick Chase over Joey. But if you want to pick Joey over Chase, I'll, I mean, I'm not going to fight you on it. Yeah. Also, I'm not fighting you on yours. So, yeah. Um, all right. Can we get to the good shit now? We absolutely can. Uh, okay. <laughs> the fast food items, Mount Rushmore. This is easy I bet, for me. I bet we each have four different things. You do? Maybe we might have one overlap, but I think otherwise we will not have the same four. Filet fish, you won't have. Nope. Checkers fries. Nope. Uh, Rally's fries. Uh, In and out burger and Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. Okay. We do have an overlap. We did not have the overlap that I thought we would. Okay. Um, my four are McDonald's fries, Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. This one will be a curveball, and you probably won't like it. The cheesy gordita crunch. Big fan. What's on that? It's like a, It's basically like a hard shell taco wrapped in a in a fluffier version of a soft shell, and then there's like some kind of like crema on there, and there's like cheese, yeah. and then the seasoned beef. I know people this. like T Bell. I haven't been uh, a big T Bell fan over the years, so but I'm not going to make fun of you for liking something that most people like. Yeah, I I don't. I'm not like a big time Taco Bell defender, but I, I over the I years, ate I the mean. potato the one dollar potato uh, taco a while back, and that's pretty good. Yeah. You can get Taco Bell where it's terrible, for sure. But I, I'm a big fan of the cheesy gordita crunch. I just crunch. like the thing with Taco Bell that I've always had, Bill, is if I'm going to put trash in my body, mm-hmm. I want to make it count. And yeah. like, I feel like Taco Bell's the bottom barrel. I don't know. Like, would you? Are you ever like as satisfied smashing Taco Bell tacos as you would be just crushing a nice juicy burger? Yeah, I am. But, well, because usually I eat it so infrequently that it's like it's always like a nice treat when I eat it. So yeah, if I eat it all the time, probably not. Um, my last item was a Dairy Queen Blizzard. Yeah. I mean, I knew you were going to have a dessert on yours. I'm more of a uh, salty and savory guy than I am a sweet guy. Mm-hmm. But four was tough. I did not have a burger on mine. Yeah. I also f- realized that McDonald's is clearly the best chain because I considered four of their items. The nuggets, the fries, the filet of fish, and... Yeah, the double well, quarter pounder with cheese. Double quarter pounder with cheese, yeah. I think the double quarter, like, I know that everybody loves Wendy's, and everybody thinks that Wendy's undeniably has the best burger of, like, the regular chains, but I would, I think that the double quarter pounder with cheese when it's fresh at, at McDonald's shits on the double-double, or whatever, the, the double stack. I can get behind that. I think, I think, the problem, my problem with McDonald's oftentimes is just, like, the inconsistency and in the quality of it. But That's right. I think, yeah. I think when it's done right, most things on their menu are really good. Yeah, yeah. If you get it fresh, like, because even the filet fish like, you can get a shitty filet fish mm-hmm. Like, if the bun is stale or, like, it's not fresh. But usually, too, if you... And I'm not one of these people that send stuff back, but if it's, like, really bad, I'll be like, I, I, give me a new one. This is... this, You know? Yeah. Um, But I think McDonald's burgers, the cheeseburgers are terrible. It's, like, like something that you just step on. Um, There's not a lot the, to it, yeah. Like, the, the bottom barrel at, at McDonald's is worse than the bottom barrel at Wendy's. I agree with but that. But I think that... Overall, McDonald's has more versatility and more high. Like the Big Mac, we didn't even mention, is like the most iconic sandwich in fast food. It can just be such a mess that like it's also yeah. oftentimes it like feels burdensome to eat. But you get the Super Mac, dude, and you make it with double quarter pound patties. You ever done that? No, I saw somebody. 
say like I was looking up stuff like to make sure I didn't miss something obvious or just like to jog my memory a little bit. And somebody said like a, a McDouble, but they get Mac sauce on it. That's you can, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get behind that. Um, Doug Delillo, who always uh, listens to this podcast and then texts me only about food takes, <laughs> uh, when I was like twenty one, told me about the Super Big Mac. I think if you call it the Super Big Mac, they'll make it with the quarter pound patties. So it's just a regular Big Mac, but with thicker patties. It's just the yeah the, from the double quarter oh, pounder, okay. which which is delicious. Yeah. Um, I but like if all fast food disappeared and you could only save one restaurant, I think it's clear that McDonald's should be the would be the thing because like their McFlurry is pretty good too, and they yeah, have the dessert shakes. there, and they have more than one dessert item. Yeah. Also, their apple pies and their cherry pies and like the seasonal pie that you always got. The like holiday the one, pie is great. The yeah. holiday pie, like that. I mean they. Pound for pound, it's it's pretty good for what it is, and they've got the best items. Yeah. Their chicken sucks, though. Their chicken does suck. Their nuggets are good, but their chicken sucks. Yep. Although, they have, like, a newer chicken sandwich. It's not great, sucks. but it's, it's better than it what sucked. they had before. I was, yeah. I was, like, disgusted. I didn't even finish it. Yeah, it's not great. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, next question. For, thank you, thank you, Ryland, for providing 15 minutes of content, by the way, with that question. Uh, from our guy, NWDrone410 on Twitter. Do you have a player you covered who were you most surprised that they either popped or didn't see the field? And he said you can't answer Zach Harrison or Demario McCall. So I thought we could give one of each. Like a guy we covered who we were surprised how good they became and a guy that we covered how we were surprised that they never saw the field or did anything here. Okay. My, want me to go first? Sure. The one that I was surprised about how good they became was Terry McLaurin. I thought he sucked for the first two and a half, three years of his career. Mm-hmm. And him, Bill and I used to argue about it in the press box. I'm like, why is this guy still on the field? If you remember the first few years of his career, like balls would hit him in the hands and he would drop it. And like I didn't like get behind the he's the heart and soul of the Rudy movement of this team. Like I didn't I was just like, get somebody who can catch the ball on the field. And now he's like the second or third best receiver in the NFL. Like I will never I misread that so bad it's embarrassing. And I was so wrong that like I couldn't choose anybody else for this question. Yeah. That's good. I think it's a good good pick for you. Um my surprise in terms of how good they were is Malik Hooker because I just like didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, and it's like he didn't basically didn't play for two years. He was like a special teams guy, and that was kind of it. And I do like I know some people who like had seen him play when he was in high school in, in Newcastle, PA, and like said like this kid's the real deal. If he ever gets on the field, like look out for him. It's like what two years went by and never played, and then he got on the field in this third year. I was like, oh, he's Ed Reed, cool. So like yeah. that was that was uh, shocking development for me, and then. I'll give my surprise guy who like never did much here um, first. Uh, mine is Jalen Gill because uh, he was like a borderline five star prospect, like super dynamic offensive player who joined the team when Urban was still here, and Urban loved those kind of guys. And maybe he got caught in between with like the coaching change, 
but he just never really carved out a role. And then he left him with the Boston College, and like he's had more opportunity at Boston College, but it didn't like it was not like he went there and like took off. Like I thought he was going to be like a really explosive kind of playmaker here, or even maybe he'd become that elsewhere once he got more time, more chances to see the ball, and it just hasn't really happened. So there are a lot of guys I think you could pick for this answer, um, but I went with Jalen Gill. Um, can I do one more for the other one that I was considering? For sure. And like I don't know how you view injuries because like Justin Hilliard for me is probably one. Mm-hmm. He ended up being pretty good in his, his uh, for like how how he how he didn't pan out. Um, but I thought Marshawn Lattimore's rise from yep. a million injuries to being one of the best defensive backs in the NFL was also. Um, but like I don't know if I was necessarily wrong about that. Um, you just weren't sure it was ever going to happen for him. Yeah, but one of the ones that did um, it was awesome. Yeah. It's like also it's weird too because one person really came to mind and um, for the other one which was didn't pan out as well and he's actually I think in the NFL pretty productive player and that was Jonathan Cooper and like I don't know if that even counts because he turned out to be a pretty important piece to some pretty good teams. Um, it's he like, just didn't become yeah. Chase Young like I thought he would. I mean he was a five star guy right he was he. It's. I don't know if he was ever talked he was about. Built like Chase, like in high school. You you were around him in high school. Yeah, dude. Yeah, the yeah. guy was jacked. Like I mean, he it, it looked like he had been in a college weightlifting program for three years when he was a senior in high school. Yeah, I don't. I don't recall. Maybe I'm misremembering. Like I don't. I don't recall quite the same fanfare with him. And maybe it wasn't because it was, he was like, local. It was. It was, and it was like a pretty straightforward recruitment. It wasn't even like the Zach Harrison kind of drama there with his recruitment. Um. So I, I can't recall ever having like the the kind of like Bosa Chase Young kind of thoughts about him, even though he was a very highly ranked recruit. Um, but I think it's a good pick because like he never, he never did like really match the five-star kind of pedigree that he came in with. But I also think that he was probably a little better than people want to give him credit for. Um, and that's maybe why he's flashed a little bit. I think bit that was probably a bad example because he was also injured a lot. So it's like, it's hard because when people are injured a lot that, like, I mean, there's there's players that, like, Torrance Gibson, that, yeah. that jump out. You know, but, like, does that count? Because he just got in trouble right. and changed his position. Um, There's a lot of guys that just got injured. Yeah. I think, like, trying to think back through past recruiting classes. Um, Like, Dontre Wilson, I guess, I guess it was an that injury. That was going to be one of them for me. Inj- his was an injury deal as well. I but think then I realized he but... was injured, too, and he was small. Yeah. Um I think like Johnny Dixon, but he he ended up being awesome at the end of his, his And he career. was also injuries. I I do feel like I don't know, like Jalen like Jalen Marshall I thought was really good in 2014 and then never like he was a solid player after that, but like didn't really build on top of that the way I thought he might and I think he got kind of caught in like the Braxton confusion like Braxton was going to play H and Maybe that took some stuff away from Jalen Marshall. I don't know. I felt like I felt like he was like a riser after 2014, and like it never really happened for him. Um, I cannot believe he didn't say Tate Martell. I'm I'm leaving the podcast. No, I like Tate. I would have very much enjoyed seeing Tate play, and I know I make a lot of jokes about him, and I still maintain that you can build a good college offense around him. I was never actually like 100 percent sold on the idea that like he was the guy for Ohio State. Yeah, I thought there was a chance they could be really awesome for him, but it wasn't like you can count on this. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of other guys that had really, really high recruitments that didn't really do it, like Matthew Burrell. Matthew Remember Burrell. There were, a few, there were a few linemen, yeah. Um, um, Isaiah Pryor. Keandre Jones didn't work out. Um, yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah Pryor is a good one. That would be some obvious You can't ones say Demario McCall. Dante Booker was another one that jumps out to me. Yeah, he, his his career was like like mostly special team stuff. Like was never a, a real integral part of the defense. Eric Glover Williams, Eric Smith. Eric Smith is a good one. Um, I just did the look back on the 2018 class when I'm trying to think if there's a there's got to be one in there. Mike Mitchell, but he left. I mean, like Tyreek Johnson was a five-star prospect who like never. Yeah, Tyreek Johnson's probably he probably would be number one if you really think about it. Um, that's probably the biggest one. I think this is a pretty good exercise though, because I think Ohio State's done a pretty good job of squeezing out a lot of production from their highly rated players. And like I know that uh, Trayvon Grimes left. That was surprising. I thought he was going to be like Garrett Wilson when he signed. Yeah, but and then he went to Florida. He was he was a decent player. It wasn't like he didn't fall face of the earth. He just transferred. Um. Jalen Harris is another one. Oh yeah, he was. He had some medical stuff too, though. Yeah, but he was like, I thought he was gonna be awesome, six five. Yeah, like that was like back when Calvin Johnson was in style. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I thought this guy's gonna get jacked. He's gonna be six six, running up and down the field like a psychopath. Yeah, that didn't work out either. Um, yeah, I don't. But think... by and large, when you go up and down Ohio State's recruiting classes, you do see a lot of really good uh, production. Yeah, and like I think... Baron Browning's another one. Right. Yeah. I think his was a his was a more of a situation of like misuse. I think more than anything, like Baron Browning. Yeah, yeah, and also being coached by Bill Davis. Yeah, it's like I mean, Baron Browning was playing like cornerback and safety in his high school, and like was Bill a, Davis is like Mike linebacker, six foot two, two hundred and fifty or two hundred and thirty pound athlete who could run faster than Joey Galloway, and it's like how did that not work out? Yeah, he probably got a little too big too. I will say that depending on how things are going. Zach Harrison is right at the top of this list. Uh, yeah, he's close to it. He's close to. It. I, I, he he has been. His production has not been what you want it to be. Obviously, um, I think he's been an okay. If, if Zach Harrison was rated three hundred and sixty four overall, this would be exactly what you expect. But you get you get compared to your rating. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um. Peter Sherman on Twitter asked if we have ever tried the land, air, and sea sandwich from McDonald's. And if not, would you order it? That is So that's a burger, a chicken, and a fish sandwich all in one, right? Yeah, but I think it's separated from another piece of bread the way the Big Mac is. Uh, I have not had it, and I don't think I would try it. That's a little too much for me. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like they go together. Right, right. And I know what they all taste like individually, and... It just doesn't seem like I don't know if my dad puts tartar sauce on hamburgers though, so I don't know if that's. Oh, I can see that. I like I like mayo on my on my burgers, so like yeah. it's not too far off base. Um. Yeah, uh, I don't think I would ever order it. If I went to McDonald's, I would just want more filet fish. That's right, and I would want just probably a burger. I don't also, mind. the chicken isn't good there, so it doesn't that that kind of ruins it for me too. I would I would agree with you that the chicken is by far the worst element of I, that sandwich. I do feel like as a as a connoisseur though, you should order it and take a bite out of it just to say you did it. Yeah, I, I suppose I can see that, and it's not like you're breaking the bank to do it either. I just I, I have a hard time envisioning that it actually tastes good. 
Also, you can do it at any point. Just order all three sandwiches and take a bite out of three of them at once. They're all small sandwiches. That's true. That's true. Uh, we are going to mix in some hoops talk here with these questions. And Oh, boy. Uh, as I already <laughs> said on the last episode, he has not paid much attention to Ohio State basketball. Uh, I I like to think that I know a decent amount of the, uh, about the team, so I'll do a lot of the heavy lifting here, I guess, and Ari will chime in with uh, any other kind of follow-up questions he has relates to hoops. I think we have like two or three hoops questions here. Not, not all in a row, but... Um, this is the first of them uh, from Jimmy Chitwood on Twitter. Uh, active, active on Twitter with his engagement. Always appreciate it. Uh, he asked, assuming Justice Suing does not return this season or is a minimal factor, do you think a third consistent scoring option can emerge for them? So that'd be behind EJ Liddell and behind Malachi Branham. And uh, my answer to that is probably not. Um, and maybe that's probably the thing that might hold them back in the end. Uh, I think there are guys so like on a given night might be able to, but I just don't find any of them particularly reliable. And that's like Zed Key, Justin Arns, Gene Brown, Jamari Wheeler. Like the, Cedric Russell is probably the most likely of that group to do it. It's a guy who, like he scored 16, 17 points a game at a lower level of basketball, but hasn't really translated to this level. And, and I frankly didn't really expect it to. Um, and maybe it's maybe it's not quite translated as much as I thought it would, but he's just kind of streaky. And I don't think gives you much on defense and can be a little bit of a liability there. So I don't know. Maybe it's him. There is always that that uh, chance for a guy like him who's in his last year of basketball that the light comes on at the end and it's a desperation that comes in with wanting to, to go out on a good run in the NCAA tournament. I think you saw that with Keyshawn Woods when he transferred here. Um, so so maybe I'd say him, but I wouldn't feel great about any of those options. And, and I think moving forward, it's, it's more or less a – two-man show with EJ Liddell and Malachi Brown, who are two very good future NBA players, but um, there's not much in the way of reliability offensively beyond those two. Um, anyway, that's what I take on that question. Uh, here is a question from Crystal on Twitter. What is your favorite kind of cheese? And there's a separate, here's a separate question, and or... If you could only have one type of cheese the rest of your life, what would it be? Mozzarella. So do you like do you like all kinds of mozzarella? Do you like the like the craft just like shredded bag of mozzarella? Like would you buy like a big a big ball of fresh mozzarella and just like munch so on it? So in Dallas, like right near where I live, there's a grocery store called Central Market. And this is like a really great grocery store. Like amazing produce. It's it's awesome. Um it's like what Whole Foods probably thought it was going to be before it <laughs> went down. The hill. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a cheese wall across the back of this of this grocery store that's like a mile long, and there's a million different types of cheeses. And it's the same thing at Trader Joe's, too. There's a t- Like, I am not a cheese connoisseur that can go down a cheese. Like, there's a million different types of cheeses. Yeah. I've never met a cheese I don't like, um, but mozzarella to me seems to be the most versatile. And you're a big pizza which guy. Is, and I'm a huge pizza guy. Yeah. So, like, you, you can't make pizza without mozzarella. Um, but also, I think you could put mozzarella on a hamburger. You could put it on any Italian dish that you could eat. And you could put it in an omelet. Like, I think it's a pretty versatile type of cheese. Mm-hmm. And it just tastes amazing. And you can eat it raw. It doesn't have an overpowering flavor, but it has a good enough flavor that you keep coming back for it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I But I don't know if it's the most delicious cheese. But if the question is, what's the only cheese that you could have for the rest of your life, I would take the one that's on pizza. Yeah, which I think is is probably the right right way to go about it. There's not there are te- cheeses that have like 
severely deeper flavor profiles than a mozzarella cheese would have. And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that either. Yeah. Um, I like we have people over sometimes and like we make charcuterie boards and like Brit will bring out like all these types of cheeses, cheese logs and stuff that have like blueberry crusts on the end of it. And then you have that like fancy knife that you like push down on to like uh, separate it. Like in those cheeses, I'm like, this is awesome. But like, I don't know what the, and like, I guess if you're a wine drinker, you're probably more of a cheese person because they go well together. And like, we've been to wine tastings before where they bring out a cheese plate and like these cheeses are great. I couldn't tell you what they were. But there's no application for them outside of what you're doing, which is eating them like on a cracker, right? Or eating them plain with a, a glass of wine, like with mozzarella. Like you, that, let, let's let's ride. You know, yeah, what you I mean, can do what, a lot. what, what yeah. are we making? Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite cheese is probably Gouda. Um, there's a savory savoriness to it that I that I really like. It almost tastes like bacon to me sometimes. Um, so I like that on like a grilled cheese sandwich. Um, I like it as. Uh, we actually have like shepherd's pie fairly often, and we use that and put that in there. It's pretty good, um, and I'll just eat it by itself because I think it tastes good enough on its own too. I don't think it needs much. Um, I do like a brie as like a spreadable cheese on a cracker. I enjoy the the kind of bitterness of blue cheese, like in a salad or like crumbled on top of a pizza or something like that. Certainly with buffalo wings, and buffalo wings are probably my favorite food. Um, so those three were the ones that came to mind, but obviously, you know, I'm I'm on board with mozzarella cheese and pizza cheese all day. Um, I also like Swiss cheese. Do you like Swiss cheese? I love them all. Yeah, I like and Swiss Brit cheese. Brit buys Havarti cheese. Havarti cheese, yeah. I mean, all these sliced cheeses that you put on sandwich. I mean, honestly, I would say that I don't like goat cheese. I do not like goat I cheese. Know, I don't even know if that's true. I just like the thought of the milk coming from a goat grosses <laughs> me out for some reason. <laughs> Well, it's not like a cow is any more clean. It just it feels odd to me. Yeah. Um, but even then, I don't know that I don't like it. It just grosses me out to think about. Um, cheddar cheese is great. I like uh, very much a sharp provolone cheese. Yeah. On a, excuse me, particularly like a roast pork sandwich. That's like that's a delicacy. What type where of I cheese goes in macaroni and cheese? I think it can be anything. I had what's the what's the most common one? Probably a probably a cheddar, but I, but I had uh, when we went to dinner the the night that we got married, we went to a place in downtown right, Columbus down. called uh, called the Keep, and uh, oh yeah, nice place. Um, and I got a steak, but one of the sides that came with the steak was a Gouda mac and cheese, which, which was very good. That sounds amazing. Smoked Gouda, to be more specific. Smoked Gouda. I bet mac you that place cheese. had big shells too, didn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big shit. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Talk dirty to me. The steak was it was a pepper-crusted ribeye. It was good. It wasn't the best steak I've ever had. I'm not like a huge order-out steak guy, but but I like well, it. How steak. much did it cost? Uh, it was like 45 bucks. So it wasn't too expensive. Okay. Um, for like for well. a steak dinner. Um, and uh, it was good. It was a good meal. We had uh, pumpkin beignets for dessert. They were very good. Um, I recommend it. It's not it's not super pricey. Had a good cocktail. It's nice. Hey, everybody. Bill got married. I did. I did. Yeah. Celebrate it with a nap and steak. <laughs> as, as any person should. Um, I don't really, I don't have a good answer to this question, but I included it. I'm like curious if you have any thoughts on it. I, I don't, but it's from, it's from Kirk Hickman uh, on e- via the email. And he said, I'm hearing more and more grumblings about Mickey Marathi from fans and other beat writers. Uh, first of all, you're hearing that from one Ohio State beat writer. His name is Patrick Mayhorn. 
I like him. He's a good guy. But that's who you're hearing it from. I don't think you're hearing it from any other beat writers. Uh, and it's because our buddy Ryan Donnelly has radicalized a wing of Ohio State internet, internet who thinks that Mickey Marotti is not a good strength coach anymore. And I don't know if that's true. I don't know shit about strength and conditioning. Uh, Ohio State players keep going to the NFL and seem to be doing well, so I think they're doing it okay. Um, but the question from Kurt was, uh, is Mickey Marotti hindering the athletic ability by adding weight just for the sake of adding weight? Have you heard anything about an evolved training plan, or are they sticking with their rigid archetypes? Uh, I have not heard anything about an evolved. I think Ryan plan. Donnelly submitted that question. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Donnelly's burner is Kurt Hickman via 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 the uh, email. Um, I think that it's interesting in theory. I just don't. I I I would never I don't know that it's true. I would but I never. Think it would be worth asking. I would, hey, Mickey. Over the course of time, how has the game evolved, and have you had to tailor your strength and conditioning regimen to better prepare, I think, is an interesting discussion. And I think a fair question, too. We don't talk to him very often. Um, sometimes we'll get him around this time of year or, like, around their pro day. I want, I want to say we have, have not talked to Mickey in probably two years because it's been a weird two years in terms of media availabilities. Maybe we'll get him and, and we can talk about some of that stuff. But, like, I would be – I don't have like the, the faintest idea of how football programs should be training their players to know whether or not Mickey Marotti's program is up to snuff. I'm just, I just like kind of assume that it is, but I, I understand the sentiment that like Ohio state got knocked around on a couple games this year and didn't seem particularly strong at the point of attack. And like, I get all that. And I think that's fair criticism um, whether or not like the methodology needs to change in terms of how they're training players. Like, I, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you. I don't, um, I have not heard anything in the way of like anyone being unhappy with the way that Mick does his business aside from the wing of Ohio state fan Twitter that our buddy Ryan has radicalized into believing. So Um, Mickey, are you more concerned with superior before and after pictures or winning football games? I'll hang up and and listen. Yeah. I don't know. Like the, the players seem to like it. The players seem to be, seem to believe that they're getting put in uh, better positions when they leave the program. So I like how many people at Ohio state, whether they play the game or they're a coach go from the greatest thing in the history of the world to the worst. Like, it's just like, it goes like that. It's like Mickey Murati was, was universally considered the best strength coach in America in 2016. And now this question exists. It's just like, it's even down to the strength coach. And listen, I think like when you're not meeting expectations, I think it's fair it's a theory for everything. I think you question everything. I think that's fine. Um, but I try not to go from this is great to this sucks. Like, cause something bad happened. Maybe it does suck. Maybe we'll learn to, to find out that it does suck. But poor, at the moment, poor Gary I, Combs I'm not there. Hit, hit, hit him pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, I, again, like I'm not trying to be dismissive of Kurt. Like I appreciate the question. I don't have a great answer for you. Um, it's just hard to quantify. That's all. Yes, and and I and part of me thinks it's at least you know fed by the idea of like the sky is falling because Ohio State lost to Michigan and hasn't won a national championship in a while. Um, and again, it's fair to question it, but I don't. I I don't know whether or not. But how would you? How would you even like? What would you look for? So like the, to to defend Kurt, Ohio State got its ass kicked in the trenches. Mm-hmm. So like that to me would be the number one symptom of are you strong enough? But there's other things that go into account or, or that are under the purview of the strength coach, which is mentality, mm-hmm. playing like a dog, all those things. Like they always used to say when Ohio State was really, really good, that they played with the personality that Mickey Murati instilled during the mat drills, you know? Yep. So it's just like if you look at the things that aren't occurring or didn't occur in 2022 or 2021, excuse me, you 
it would lead back to that. I just like don't know like what would you look for on TV or at the game and say this is off. The, you know what I mean? Like this the the strength and conditioning at Ohio State is off right now. Like I, I was supposed like, to happened. I yeah I don't know I don't know if it's like the things that happen on the field or if you're like trying to do like an amateur assessment of body composition, which I think some people do. Um, and I thought to say like like. I'm sure there are people who discuss these things who know what they're talking about. I'm like, I, I'm not saying that like no one knows what they're talking about. I'm just not going to pretend to be one of those people. Um, so I don't know, but like I've, I can't say I've walked into an Ohio State football practice and looked at players and thought like, well, this doesn't look great. Um, they all look like monsters to me. So maybe that makes me naive, and like no one is above reproach, I suppose. And everything needs to be evaluated when you're not quite hitting the way you're supposed to. But um, in terms of evolved training plans or like. Changing I'd be more the strength prone, coach like that's not happening. I'd be more prone to blaming a position coach when his position gets his ass kicked than the strength coach. I think that when there is a prevailing feeling of, um, I guess I'll just say softness within the program, I think you start with the head coach and the strength coach, which I think we might have said after the Michigan game, and I think that's fair. But and that's certainly mentality. I don't know if that means they're not doing the right stuff in the weight room. And and it, I maybe they are, but I just it's hard for me to kind of get there. Yeah. Uh, question on Ryan Donnelly's Twitter is hilarious, and he's a psychopath. Yeah, and I look, I look, I very much look forward to him texting me after he listens to this episode. We love Ryan; he's great. I hope he's enjoying Argentina. And I, God knows <laughs> if he ever comes back. Maybe I, I don't know if I'll ever see that guy again. Um, from uh, our, our, our poisoning Ohio State viewpoints from Argent from South America. Love it. He's taking it international. I like when he uh, posts videos on his Instagram. He's having dinner with random people in Argentina and he gets them all to say go Bucks. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like, who are these people? Yeah. Like, who are you eating with? I haven't had a, I haven't had a meal with a stranger in, in my entire life. He's a very or personable just, guy. Yeah. I'm not cultured. I'm not from Pittsburgh, so I don't know. Like, right. I don't know if I'm Monroeville. Go Gators. It's all, it's all, it's all the same. Uh, this is from uh, Aurelia. I do question his actual use of yins though. I think he forces it. Uh, listen, we're looking into it. We got our people on it. Um, <laughs> this is from uh, from Aurelio on Twitter. I apologize if I said that name wrong. Uh, asked, who makes the best breakfast sandwich? His vote is for Duncan. My vote is not for Duncan. You know who makes the best, best breakfast, breakfast sandwich? I do. That's the thing you I think I do I'm best. That's the thing I think I do best. You're going to say uh, bur- nope. Burger King. Yeah, go on a rant about my breakfast sandwich uh, preference, and then... Uh, it's not a rant so much as I think it's a little odd that you don't like the breakfast meat as part of the sandwich. You're, you're more of like an egg and cheese kind of guy, but I respect that. Everyone has a different palate. Um, the, the the breakfast meat is typically the star of the show for me, which is why my favorite breakfast sandwich is a sausage McMuffin. It's just sausage and cheese on a, on a well-toasted English muffin from McDonald's. I think it's elite, <laughs> especially when it's a dollar. You could write ads. You Honestly, <laughs> like sometimes I think like when you're talking, it's like... The Egg McMuffin, where the meat is the star of the show. <laughs> like, that's like something that they would put in admin. Maybe I should do that. That's what I'll do when I uh, get get fired from sports training. I always thought that would be a very entertaining and fun job. I think so, too. But I wonder if what you write, if you have to have an understanding of what people are drawn to. It's not just like how clever can you be. You also have to understand what people would be more. Yeah, and sometimes what you're drawn to, to, is not, to is not what the masses are drawn to. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I like, but I think that uh, Burger King breakfast is the best breakfast, and I think they've got the best breakfast potatoes too. 
Uh, actually, McDonald's is a great breakfast potato. Add that to the versatility list. But it's too small. Three bites, it's gone for me. Yep. Yep. I think that's fair. Um, locally, I, I don't know if you've ever had a, um, a breakfast sandwich from Buckeye Donuts, but I, the, the kielbasa egg and cheese on Texas toast from Buckeye Donuts is very good. That sounds good. Big, big fan it. of I've only had a, I've never had a donut at Buckeye Donuts either. I've only had a gyro. I like Buckeye Donuts. There's two, so there's one, there's one near me where I live that and I don't even know if they're affiliated with the one that's near campus. They have like some of the same stuff, but not all the same stuff. But I typically go to the one near campus. The red velvet cream cheese donut. Isn't there one like on South High Street? Yes, that's the one that's closest to me. Yeah. Um, but they don't have the red velvet cream cheese donut that the one near campus has, and that oh, thing. Boy. It'll put you in a diabetic coma, but it's worth it. You're a you're a big sweets guy. That's kind of where we veer off. Like donuts don't do it for me. Like I, not that they don't taste good. I like them. If they're there, I'll eat it. But it's not something I seek out. I don't I don't seek out sweets a whole lot, but I do like a good donut. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's a hoops question from uh, fake Derek Dietrich on Twitter. What's the farthest the team can go in the tournament? I think they're capable of a sweet 16 run, but could easily get first rounded again. Um, I mean, I give you the boring answer, which is like, it depends on who they're playing. Um, especially with this team, I think like mat- like matchups are particularly important. Um, that said, like, I don't know, like last year they played an Oral Roberts team that absolutely they should have beaten, but it was an Oral Roberts team that had two pros in uh, Kevin O'Banner and Max Asmus. And Ohio State was like ding, like injured, and then just didn't play well. Um, but that ended up being a bad matchup for that particular team in that particular moment. So like that could very much happen again, and they could go home after the, after the first day or the first weekend, like they have in the previous three trips under Chris Holtman. Um, but I think the ceiling is to get to the Sweet Sixteen when you have two guys on your roster who are going to play in the NBA. I think that's always your ceiling, um, and they have that with EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham. So ceiling, no, or sorry, not ceiling's probably the wrong word. Um, yeah, I mean, once you get to the Sweet 16, anything can happen. I think, like, a fair expectation, maybe, is, is maybe the better way to put it. Um, but I, I I always, yeah, I always caution people to, like, set potential relative to the NCAA tournament, tournament because it can be so random. Um, but this is a program that's looking for a breakthrough. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not ignorant to that. Like, they have not. They've been to the tournament three times under Chris Holtman. They've not gotten out of the first weekend. Um it's a little bit of a harder evaluation because I think like his best team that he's had so far didn't get a chance to play in the tournament because the season was canceled at the end. Um, but when you've not gotten out of the first weekend and your last time there, you were a two seed who got eliminated by a 15 seed. Obviously you're looking for a step forward from that. And I think the program in general is looking for a step forward. Can I ask a basketball question? Yeah, go ahead. 
I was at, I covered basketball and when I used to work at Cleveland.com and I covered like the end of the Thad Mata era. Right. And, you know, was very much engaged during the thick of it. There seemed to be this general understanding or maybe even expectation from some basketball fans that Chris Holtman would bring them back to maybe 75% of what it was like when things were the best. Is he meeting expectations for what he was supposed to be, or is he not? It's a it's a good question. I I guess it just depends on what your expectations were. Like, and I think, and I also. What about Gene Smith's? I think I don't think he is underperforming in Gene Smith's eye because I because I think that Gene Smith has an understanding of like what Chris Holtman inherited, like the roster that he inherited had Katie Bates, Diop, and Jay Sean Tate, and they were very good in Chris Holtman's first year. But there were so many holes on that roster from like Thad's last couple of recruiting classes, maybe like last two recruiting classes that like there was going to be a step back and there needed a rebuild to happen. Now, I suppose you could argue that in college basketball rebuilds tend to happen a little faster because the transfer culture was different in that sport than it than it has been in college football. Now they're kind of on similar footing, but basketball was ahead of ahead of football in that regard. And we've seen teams like rebuild with transfers and and make championship borderline championship runs in the last few years. Um, Texas Tech, Baylor, teams like that. Um, so I'm not of the mind that he's underachieving because I feel like I had an appreciation for how much work needed to be done to get the roster back to the place it needs to be in to contend for big 10 titles and to make tournament runs. Um, that said, like there, there are certainly been missteps along the way. Um, like the recruiting class with DJ Carton, EJ Liddell and Alonzo Gaffney, like kind of blew up on them. EJ Liddell's awesome, but there's roster holes now because there was a disconnect there along the way when, when evaluating that class and it blew up on them and they end up with one guy and, and they've yeah, not, being a basketball coach would be so hard. Yeah. And like, they've not, if you have one messed up class, that's it for like three years. I feel like, right. And like the class he has coming in next year, I think is very good on paper. At least we'll see. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I, I don't think, I don't think he's underperformed. I think, I think, and I, part of that too is like, Thad, what Thad did was not really the norm for the program. Like, got, coaches before him got to Final Four or two, won the Big Ten a couple of times, but, like, his sustained run of success, like, in his first ten years or whatever that was, like, was unheard of in the history of the program. And to just expect, like, someone else is going to come in and do the same thing, I think is not really fair. It's the same thing with, like, Ryan Day and Urban Meyer. Like, and I, like Thad Mata maybe isn't Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer has three rings and Thad doesn't, but, like, I, like they elevated the program in the same way, I think, and to expect that it just was going to maintain, I think, was was a little bit foolish. Now that said, I do think Chris Holman's a pretty good coach. Um, maybe he's not. I think it's a lot of national media love because I think he's um, accessible, but he is also a good coach, um, and I think he's more or less gotten the most out of the rosters that he's had. The question is, should the roster be better? Um, and I think that's probably a fair question. And he kind of carries the the blame there, I suppose, for particularly how that Carton class blew up on him a little bit. Um, and they, like, they didn't back it up with like a super solid class either. But this next one they have coming in is really good. So I don't know. I think it's a hard evaluation at the moment. Totally. But I think they need – I think – I wrote it after they lost to Oral Roberts. It's like this program needs a breakthrough. Whether like whether that's contending for a Big Ten title or making some kind of tournament run, um, I think this team is capable of both. And they're one. I think what are they? One game back in the loss column right now in the Big Ten standings. They have a huge game on Thursday night um, at Illinois, and then they have uh, five games left, and three of them are at home. 
So if they win on Thursday night, like it's on. Like they're they're very much in the thick of, of trying to contend for at least a share of the Big Ten crowd. So I think it's where you want them to be when the calendars get into March. It's just uh you know, I don't think you look at the team and think national championship, but I'm not so sure that should be the expectation here either. Um we'll skip that other basketball question. It's about Malachi Branham, like he might be playing himself in the NBA, which would not be great <laughs> for Ohio State's long-term prognosis. Um, but I think maybe that's a bridge we can cross if and when that happens. Um, question from Andrew via the email. We'll, we'll close with a couple of football questions. Uh, who on the defense might get more of a look with the new staff than they would have gotten last year or would have gotten had the staff from last year kind of stayed intact? What do you think? Court Williams was the first one that came to mind for me. Um, now, I don't know if that's a linebacker or safety or what. Um, I, I tend to think he's more of a linebacker than a safety, and, and um, I'm curious if Jim Knowles might come to the same conclusion. Um, I've not heard anything about that. I, I know like uh, Perry Leano and uh, Tim Walton like tweeted out a photo of themselves and all the defensive backs, and Court Williams was still with them, so everything that, that suggests that he's still – at safety and and not at linebacker. Um, so I'm a little curious about him. I'm curious about Jansen Dunn. And that's mostly just because, like, I, I liked him coming in in last year's recruiting class. And he got hurt and, and um, wasn't really available for most of the season. But he was a guy who, like, when I watched his highlights a little bit and then looked at his ranking, I thought maybe outperformed that ranking a bit. Um, just hasn't had that chance yet. If he's healthy, maybe he'll have more of a chance with, with fresh eyes on the secondary. And then the third guy was um, – Mitchell Melton, who, again, needs to get healthy, but I think is a body type who could be used in that kind of hybrid Leo defensive end linebacker role if they wanted to. So those are the first three guys that came to mind. And when you look at the – it can't be a defensive lineman, right? Because because Larry's still here. That's not a new coach. Um, and that's hard for me because I see young guys, but, like, you know, like I thought of immediately, and I don't even know if this counts because he's young, but Jordan Hancock? Yeah, I think either like, of the corners, is it, is it, yeah. Is it is it hard to like come up with? I mean, I guess if Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown are your shoe in starters for next year, then like maybe that doesn't count. Um, but I always like I think the hope for when a new coach comes in is that they will give younger guys a, sh- a chance. Like I remember we got asked this question when Al Washington came in, right? Like they were like, "Well, what are we going to do with the the three linebackers that have been starting for the last nine years?" And it's like, well, Taraja Mitchell, who was a freshman at the time, I believe was like the name that we were all talking about and it just like took them three years to finally get them. Yeah, those guys would have been that that 2018 three-man class of Taraji Mitchell, Kayvon Pope, and Dallas Gant would have been the second-year guys who I think a lot of us thought like, well, this is their opening because there's going to be a freshman. This is their opening and then nothing happened. So like, it's like, but also too, it's also you want to talk about young guys that were super exciting recruits come in and and make a difference and it's like Denzel Burke is going to be a first-round draft pick, I think. So I don't know, like, and Cam Brown came back when people thought he was going to leave. So it's like, is Jordan Hancock even interesting? I think so. Because I wonder a little bit, I wonder, like, exactly what Cam Brown's ceiling is. I don't know if, if there's star potential there with him. Um, but I think he's a solid player who's played well when he's been available. And Denzel Burke, I think, had a very good freshman season. Um, I think I think some of it might have gotten a little bit blown out of proportion, and, and I'm probably guilty of that too because I think we all get excited when a young guy plays as much as he played. It's not to say he was bad because he wasn't. I think he was good, um, but like, is he is he capable of getting to that Jeff Okuda, Marshawn Lattimore kind of level? Like, I don't know. Um, meanwhile, like Jordan Hancock and Jaquelin Johnson were top 100 guys. They're not five star prospects either, but 
now they have a year under their belt. Um, if J.K. Johnson can get healthy, like I would probably feel a little better about their long-term potential than I would someone who was ranked behind them in a recruiting class. Um, and I also think, just like on the little bit we got to see from practice and like a very small sample size in games, I think there's a physicality with Jordan Hancock that is appealing, um, particularly for a coach like like Jim Knowles, who's pretty aggressive. Um, so I wonder if that might give him... And I think it make, I think that makes him a little different than the other guys in that room. So I wonder if that might give him a shot to to stand out a little more, um, even at a position where you think like, well, they had two starters back, so there's not a lot of intrigue there. I think there could be. Um, let's do one more football question, and we'll close on a food question. This is from our guy Dan, 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 Dan. Calendar man, yeah, send in an email, um, and I guess I'll I'll paraphrase it because it was kind of a long question, but the gist of it is. Um, a team can get away with being above average to good on one side of the ball as long as it's elite on the other side. And he thinks, and I think you and I probably think, that Ohio State will be elite on offense again next year with all they have coming back, which raises the question, like, how good exactly does the defense need to be in Jim Knowles' first year for Ohio State to get back to contending for a national championship? Well, if you rated last year's defense out of 10, how would you rate them? Uh, Like a 5, maybe. So would you say 8? I think seven and seven. above. Yeah, seven and above. I, I think it's mostly about like not having an like identifiable and exploitable weakness. Um, and certainly Ohio State had that when it lost to Oregon. And then it changed some things around. And then I just think like in general it wasn't a particularly physical defense and that kind of caught, caught them when they played Michigan. So, you know what I think it was about? They didn't have a killer. Yeah. They didn't have a playmaker. They didn't have somebody that you could be like, you know what? When all else fails, this guy's going to make something. Any eraser, yeah. And I don't, I don't know that there have been very maybe one other defense in the ten years I covered them that that was the case. They've always had a dude. Like who was their dude last year? Denzel Burke, a freshman. Yeah, I don't think they had a dude last year. And I think like in 2018, Nick Bosa was supposed to be their dude. They got hurt and missed almost all that season. And Chase Young, I think, was playing injured. Like, he had bad ankles that year, right? He still played okay, but I just wasn't, I think, capable of quite getting to that level that year. And then, like, Jeff Okuda wasn't there yet. Like, all there were guys on that roster, on that defense, who became dudes the following year. But in 2018, they didn't, they didn't really have a guy like that unless I'm forgetting somebody. It's like the way that Ohio State is recruiting on both sides of the ball, it seems unfathomable to me that that could be the case. Yeah, I don't think that should ever happen here. I, I don't know. I don't even know how it did. Like I know that there was some attrition. There's been some injuries. I get it. Like, but like the fact that they had Jack Sawyer and Zach Harrison and Teron Vincent and all these guys on the same team, and it's like none of them, none of them did what they were they were here. And like, it's not fair to put Jack Sawyer in that category because he was a freshman. But mm-hmm. not to have a single like Chase Young like person on your team on defense. It's odd. Not one Ryan Shazier. Not one. Jeff Okuda, yeah, Malik. Like it's just it's 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 like, and you wanted that team to win a national title, right? It's like twenty. And it's like maybe we should have been more more realistic about. I think we were at the beginning of the year last year. When we were pre previewing the team. We said which guys can make that jump from two thousand fourteen, like that two thousand fourteen team, mm-hmm. the two thousand from the two thousand thirteen team and explode in fourteen the way that they did that year. And we named like five or six guys. None of them did it. None of them did. Yeah, and I think if you did that same exercise now, you can come up with a pretty good and enticing list, right? A lot of a lot of second year guys. 
Um, yeah, maybe that we can do that next week when we or whenever we record. Yeah. Like you just like I mean, Jordan Hancock might be on that list. Yeah, JT. I mean, Jack yeah, Sawyer Jack might Sawyer, be on that JT's list. Well, Lee Call. I think it's or, too sorry, late. Lee Call. Um, I think it's too late for Harrison. Probably, probably. I mean, Zach Harrison might have. A, I think Zach Harrison's ceiling is Jonathan Cooper, and I mentioned Jonathan Cooper as a guy who didn't who didn't pan out. So, you know. Yeah, I I, I don't. And we've seen like the fifth year breakthrough, right? We've like Devon Hamilton was awesome his fifth year, um, but that was for a different reason. But he had he had some serious help on his, on his defensive yeah. line with him. But he you know he's a third round pick. Um, yeah, no, but he also like his path to that took longer. Yep. Like when you're talking about a three star under recruited player, it might take five years for them to arrive at their potential. You know, when you're a five star top ten player, that's not your path. So if you're still in that. When's the last time a five-star prospect wasn't very good until his fifth year and then it was awesome? I mean, I guess you could make the case that Jonathan Cooper was. Yeah, and, and I think Justin Hillier was pretty good in his last year in yeah. 2020. But he, he won a game for them. Yeah, but that was more injury stuff than like yeah. not being ready to play. I think had he been healthy, he would have played a lot more. But I think the conversation more is focused on the younger guys because like you're – I think Ohio State's past the point where it's like, what old guy is going to help us get back to it? Yeah. It's got to be the new new thumbprint and fingerprint of your defense. Like, here are the next wave of dudes that are going to be on, on, on draft board lists that are going to redefine the way they play the game. And that coincides with the new head coach. I mean, a new defensive coordinator and a new staff. Mm-hmm. You know? Are you – but, like, the general idea, I guess, from Dan's question that, like, you don't you don't need to be elite on both sides of the ball to win a national championship. Like, I agree with that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think – I mean, Georgia was a, what, a 7 out of 10 on offense last Yeah, year? probably. Uh, yeah. But they were – I mean, they were incredible They were defense. a 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10 on defense. But I think you could make the case that Ohio State was a 10 on offense last year. Um, Maybe a 9. Maybe a 9. I think there's something to be left there with the run game. Or something to yeah. be – something kind of left on the table there with the run game. Which is crazy with how much talent they had on the offensive line. Yeah. But. And Trey Henderson. I think they're probably like a nine on offense and like a five on defense, and that's not good enough. And even if you're a ten on offense, a five on defense is not good enough. But if you're a ten on yeah. if you're a ten on offense, then I think like a seven on defense is good enough. Yeah. Um, and I think they can get there. Like I don't. You think they'd be a ten this year on offense? Uh, I have like zero questions about the passing game. Um, it's still about the run game for me. It's like I think they can have a good run game because Trevion Henderson's back and they're going to have a good offensive line. Um, I'm curious what they want to change up schematically, if anything, to be a physically imposing, consistently dominant running team, which I think they have the potential to be if they go about it the right way. We'll just see if they want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think they can be a ten. I don't know if I, I don't know if I bank on them being a ten, but I think they could be. Uh, last question from Benjamin Ferguson. Via the email. He, he addressed this question specifically to you, Ari. He said, Ari, I'm a big Oregano's fan. I think their pizza is underrated, and the meatball sub is amazing. Um, and then the question is, I understand that a standard cheese pizza is a good way to judge the quality of a pie. Yes. But a meat topping, he says a meat topping tells him more about the quality of a pizza than anything. Is there a topping that you would choose to decide the quality of a pizza? Sausage. Interesting. Sausage Without is question. Because pepperoni is like kind of the same everywhere, right? When's the last time have you had a bad pepperoni? Yeah. I think you could have like a. You can, I mean, the, the cupped pepperoni is probably a higher quality. You can have a thicker cut of pepperoni. You can have the pepperoni. That's the that, thing that I feel like is weird that is just absent. If I was an Italian restaurant owner, I would cut pepperoni the same thickness as a ball of sausage. So when you take a bite out of a bite out of the pizza and you get a piece of the pepperoni, it's like you're taking a bite into a sausage link. Yeah. 
Like to me, like a thicker a thicker pepperoni should be like a, a staple on all pizza, and it's like on none of them. I think that's fair, but I do think I think sausage is something that you can kind of make your own a little more, and is a better gauge in terms of like quality of your ingredients. I agree with that, but I, I and I also think I think quality of ingredients is number one, quality of toppings is number one, but also the coverage I think is very important. How much you put on there? Yeah, I mean it's like really hard because an elite level pizza is. You can't be a six in, in the crust and a ten on, on cheese and, and toppings. If your crust sucks, you suck. Mm-hmm. It's like this the same thing that we just said on about offense and defense. Um, sauce is really crucial. Too. Yep. There's a lot of bland pizza out there, and I, I'll eat bland pizza. It's pizza. You know? Right. It's like sex, right? That's what people That's say. What say. Pizza's like sex. It's when it sucks, it's still pizza. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um. But I think that a, a cheese pizza gives you a good understanding of the place's fundamental spot with dough, cheese, and sauce without getting... Because I think you could cover up... You can't hide anything. Pie. You can't hide anything yes. with a cheese pizza. Yeah. And, like, also, too, I'll go to a place and order a cheese pizza if it's a good cheese pizza. Like, there are certain places where, like, Tommy's Pizza on Lane, I think, has the best sausage crumbles on the face of the earth. Massey's, which I think is a tremendous pizza, and their their sausage sucks. I would never, I would still go to both places. I just never would get the sausage at Massey's. Yeah. So like you have to you have to know what you're getting with the toppings too. So like as you're judging the pizza, you judge the pizza, and then it's trial and error with the toppings. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I my my initial in, when I read this question, I was like, oh, that's a pepperoni. But I think I think sausage is is a much better gauge of where you're at. Yeah, it's like vegetables. How do you fuck that up? Like, it's just it's vegetables. I've had some like pretty slimy, disgusting mushrooms on pizza sometimes. That uh... yeah, if you put canned mushrooms on the pizza, then get the hell out. Because <laughs> you can tell the second they put it down in front of you whether it's whether it's it's going to be good or bad. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. That's gross. I don't but the that. one thing I will I've noticed or I I've changed my stance on since I moved in with Brit. Because Britt always gets the foo-foo veggie shit. Whenever we get pizza, she gets a veggie one. But red onion hmm. on an otherwise normal pizza with 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 sausage and pepperoni on it the way that Daddy likes it. Red onion is a very underrated topping. I like it on a pizza. I just I, I think it's something you can get a lot of quickly. So I, I, I don't want much on there, but I do like it adding to the flavor profile. Yes. And there's a crispiness. To, there's a crispiness to it too. Yes. Yeah. That I enjoy. And it's like it's like I'm not saying like chunks of red onion, but like just like a little sliver. Yeah, a couple here, slivers. A little yeah. sliver there. Yeah. And then you and then it's on, it's like in the cheese. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I can get on board with that. I like my my go to pie. I think is is the same. Well, I, I don't your your pepperoni and sausage. I go. I like pepperoni and sausage mushroom is like my preferred yeah. pizza topping. The older I get, the more I, I like more simple. But um, the best if you're gonna have a, a to me, I've changed it. My 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 perfect pizza would be sausage, pepperoni, mushroom, and onion. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Um, but pepperoni and sausage are the two. Are the two? But like, I also like balls of sausage. I don't like shredded. You like like a crumbled sausage? Not that I don't like it. I'll eat it, but I prefer balls of sausage. Like a crumble, you mean? Like a like a crumble, like a little ball. Like some places, like if you get it at Massey's, the entire pizza is covered in sausage. They cut it like a because like it's a like shredded. Oh oh yeah. oh okay yeah 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 shredded like 
I think the the ball, the little balls that look like little pieces of dirt is what I don't like. I want it to be like a ball. I got you. So like like a like a tinier meatball, but sausage. Yeah, like a one one tenth the size of a meatball, yeah. but a sausage. Yeah. 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 I actually prefer the crumbles, but they can get. I think those are hard to perfect. So yeah. and it's overpowering. It can be. And it's the same. And it, to me, I have the same. Like breakfast meat is more harsh to me. It's like a breakfast sausage and a regular like Italian sausage that you'd put on a pizza are different meats, right? Uh-huh. Sometimes, and the reason why I like my breakfast sandwich with egg and cheese is because I don't want it to be, I don't like that overpowering sausage flavor. And when you do it on a pizza, if you shred it that way and it covers from crust to crust, then I feel like it's overpowering the, the dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And it's not that I don't like the flavor, it's just that's not what I want to taste when I'm eating pizza. Right, right. Thanks for the question, Benjamin. Appreciate it. And I like that you yeah. added in there uh, that Oregonus is a good meatball sub because I think a meatball sub is a sneaky good yeah. way to test out if a place. My is done my right. father is a big proponent of the the extra side sub that you cut into slices oh, yeah. with the pizza, yeah. and he always goes Italian though. We we grew up on Italian subs um, with our pizza, not not meatball, but meatball is great too. I love a good meatball sub. I haven't had one in a while. Oregonus is really good. Have you been there? You, you took me and Doug there one time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thin crust pizza. It was good because I uh, I can't remember we were going to go to Spinato's, but like it might have been too long of a line or something, so we went to Oregano's instead. Um, I think for the no, Spinato's was this weird hour. I think for the, the it was a 2016 Clemson Fiesta Bowl, and you took us yeah. to, took us to Oregano's. I think Spinato's is closed on a Monday. Maybe that's what and it was. we probably went. No, but yeah, which is, weird hours is the real drag. That is weird. Uh, yeah, I was actually talking about that because my favorite pizza place growing up in Philly, it was like I could walk to it from my house and we did that often. It was closed on Sundays and it was always annoying. It's like it was like Chick-fil-A. It's like you always wanted the most on Sundays, you couldn't get it. Um but it was still good. Shout out to Gino's Pizza. Yeah, I don't know if we have another minute for a rant, but yeah. I don't understand why certain businesses are closed on Sundays. Uh like why are car dealerships closed on Sundays? For the Sabbath. Is that really the reason? Like I don't know like what why why would a car dealership close their doors on a day where most people are free to buy one. I think it's like an old it school. It makes no sense to I me. I think it's like an old school thing. It was like like that's your day like with your family and stuff. I think part of Why it... Why are jewelry stores closed on Sundays? I think part of it is probably like you want to have Sunday free to go to church or whatever, but I think it's also more like this is the day you spend with your family. You're not supposed to work. You're not supposed to go out shopping and do all that kind of stuff, which is like, whatever. That's fine. Yeah, it seems, it seems a weird economic decision to close your doors. Like when I was buying a car, I was like, I don't want to do this at Tuesday at 1. I want to do this on Sunday when I can. Right. It's like, oh, you mean one of the two days of the week where I'm completely free, you're closed? Great, great going. <laughs> you got to go on Saturday. Yeah, during college football season. That's right. That's right. Uh, thank, no. th- <laughs> thank you all for submitting your questions. Uh, we really appreciate it. Sorry we couldn't get them all last week. Um, but we appreciate you sending them into the Twitter, uh, to the email, 4to6ab at gmail.com. Uh, please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Like, I think if you're a new subscriber, it's like a dollar a month right now or something like that. I should probably know exactly what that promo is off the top of my head. But there's some kind of deal happening at theathletic.com slash 4-6. If you've been thinking about signing up for The Athletic, uh, I think now would be a good time. Spring ball is in like two weeks. Um, if you're starting to pay attention to college basketball, a conference tournament starts in two weeks. The NCAA tournament starts the week after that. So like things are picking back up um, from what is like an otherwise kind of slow time in the sports calendar. So... Uh, I think our next show, uh, whenever that is, it's either ne- it's either going to be next week or the week after. We'll do like a full kind of spring ball preview and like what we're most looking forward to with Ohio State kind of getting back on the practice field with this new defensive coaching staff and, and a bunch of players we're excited to see take a step forward. So uh, until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm.